animal lovers. Welcome to the Itty Bitty Animal Facts Podcast, where we learn a couple of facts about animals we're curious about. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because they can do so many cool, crazy things. Some things I say may just be my opinion. Sometimes I am misinformed, or sometimes I'm just straight up wrong. I am only human after all, but please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself and learn from you. Remember, I am only an enthusiast, not a professional. I am your host, Nicole, and joining me is my husband, Josh. Thank you for geeking out with me. Enjoy! Welcome, welcome, animal lovers. (laughs) 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 To another Animal Facts podcast. Sounded like the intro to a new song. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we are doing news today. (laughs) Because it's a year of animals. Year two to celebrate our anniversary of uh, doing this podcast for two Yay! years. <laughs> We've done it. We've made it. Two years. Woo! Go me. And Time everyone flies. that has been involved. Does fly. Like a bird. Um. <laughs> so, to start though, uh, back when we talked about goats in one of the first, like, itty bitty episodes we did, we talked about having goat milk to try. So, we're going to try goat milk live for you guys, and uh, you can hear our general, gen- genuine, genuine reactions. Yep. Ready? It is, isn't goat milk the most commonly drank milk in the world? Yeah, and they it's also use it for, like, other animals. America. Interesting. It's better than the first time I've ever tried it. Interesting. I can get used to it, I'm sure. But it's very creamy. It's different. And also watery. I don't know how those two work, right? but they do. It's got a very distinct flavor. Mm-hmm. It's less sweet. It is less sweet. We're also used to lactose-free milk, which, which I think is, is more, more sweet, sweet than, than, sweet than the cow milk. Yeah. We need to do like a blind taste test now of like all right. the milks. Give you lactose pill first and then right. just do all like types of milk. Mm-hmm. Even like rice milk and those kinds of things. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nutty or earthy. It's kind of earthy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, there is us trying goat milk. Interesting. Mm. Not bad. Definitely different. Yes. It's still just like lingering. Right. It it lingers. It doesn't just dissipate. <laughs> anyway. So. Your first news story for a year of animals. I'm ready. National Park Service urges visitors not to lick toxic psychedelic toads. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's really funny. (laughs) The Sonoran Desert toad um, excretes a toxin through its skin that can make humans sick. Some people have sought it out. For its potential psychedelic effects. Awesome. People have exploited the toad's toxins as psychedelic, um, uh, smoking it to experience euphoria and hallucinations. Taking the toad out of their habitats may put the toads at risk of population decline and extinction, so please don't do it. And one of the chemicals found in the toad's skin is illegal to possess in California. 
They can also face the risk of criminal charges if they intend to capture the toads to smoke their toxins. So just, you know, it's illegal, it's not safe, and it's not good for the toad population. So leave them be and um, don't lick them (laughs) or smoke them. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yep. Go grow some mushrooms. There you go. Leave the toads alone. (laughs) Leave the toads alone. So that's your first story. <laughs> awesome. Story number two. Grizzlies could roam wildest reaches of Washington State again, but first a mountain of red tape. Oh. <laughs> so the National Park Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced they have restarted the on-again, off-again process to reintroduce grizzlies to North Cascades National Park. Restoring the grizzlies would enhance biodiversity and could make the ecosystem more resilient to the future to future changes. Okay. Um, so it's really good, but there's been like a lot of fight back of like, well, right. you bring back the grizzlies, then they could harm people or right. different things. Like there's a lot of things going back and forth. Ultimately, it's better and it's natural because we've already driven them out so we're trying to bring them back but people are like we don't want the grizzlies here but they're also like we want the grizzlies here right and they've like started it and then it's like stopped again and then they've started it and then it's been cut again so gotcha they're trying again cool (laughs) and they would take them from like other places and bring them here into that area um so other wild ones and stuff and like bring them over and like try to reintroduce them and so they'd start out with a small population that could grow to a bigger population which okay. would be great right um so cool they're trying we'll see if it happens yeah be great if it does because yep you already kicked them out once We're on the pro grizzly side of the yeah i guess um your what next you know, story the pro animal podcast is pro grizzly <laughs> right um cats out of the bag X-ray shows live cat trapped in checked luggage at JFK Airport. Oh, no. (laughs) Tragedy was averted when a TSA agent spotted the feline um, right before it was loaded into the cargo hold of the plane at the busy New York City Airport. The flagged luggage was taken aside and the cat rescued before the tabby could end up in a pressurized cargo hold. Um, It was implied that the furball saw the open suitcase and jumped in without the traveler seeing it because it wasn't even their cat. It was like Uh, the cat of the person they were visiting or like their roommate's cat or something while they were packing. So they didn't notice that Uh the cat got in their suitcase when they were packing. And so they were like, oh. Oh, no. Yeah. So it wasn't even their cat. Cool. It was the person's well, cat. Well, glad that, they found it. <laughs> right? It would have been so sad. Yeah. So. It probably would have frozen to death. Or amongst other things. Oxygen, one of the two. Many things could have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So. But the cat is okay as far Excellent. as I know. <laughs> Next story. New York bans pet stores from selling cats, dogs, and rabbits. Oh, cool. The new law, which was signed by the governor, takes effect... In 2024, which will allow pet shops or makes pet shops that work with... It lets pet shops work with shelters to offer rescued and abandoned animals up for adoption rather than, like, brand new ones. Okay. Trying to fight back on puppy mills and create a healthy, safe environment for responsible breeders. Cool. Um, So, rather than 
a bunch of puppy mills and right. things and stuff. They're trying to make it so the pet shops work with the local shelters to get those animals adopted rather than just a bunch of new puppies right. while there's a bunch of other dogs and cats that need homes. Right. So there's a lot cool. of back and forth on that too because there's a lot of people like, well, this is like how we make our biggest income is selling dogs and cats and rabbits and stuff. But it's like, well. Yeah, well. It's, do you realize you're making like, profit unethically, so you can suck it. Yeah, like, do you realize, like, the conditions of puppy mills and the fact, too, like, that those puppy mill breeders and stuff aren't healthy, so those animals right. are going to have a lot of issues. Right. So making sure you're using, like, because you, like, you can still get your puppies and, and cats and stuff from responsible breeders. They're just right. not going to be from puppy mills. <laughs> Right. So you can do your research and find responsible breeders. They just won't be working through a pet store. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the pet stores will have to start working with local animal shelters, which I think is awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, I'm for it. That. Absolutely. I'm totally for it. So, sorry for everybody who's against it, but, you know. Yep. I'm also all for buying dogs from breeders, just responsible ones that take care of their pets and yep. give them good health. So... I'm all for both sides. Yeah. Rescuing and breeding. <laughs> Pros and cons to both. Yeah. Just ethical Just... breeders. All right. Next story. Glass Act. Scientists reveal secrets of frog transparency. The glass frog. We've learned a little bit about the glass frog here and there before. So we're going to learn a little bit more about the glass frog. Do you remember the glass frog? Um, They're like the see-through one I that you think can see so. their organs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do vaguely remember mm -hmm. that. So glass frogs, when northern glass glass frogs wake up and hop around in search of insects and mates they take an opaque reddish brown color because they have transparent skin and other tissues it's blood it's the blood circulating through their bodies that would otherwise give them away so the frog also the frogs also shrink and pack together most of their internal organs using light and ultrasound imaging technology researchers discovered the secret, while asleep, the frogs concentrate or hide nearly 90% of their red blood cells in their livers. Exactly how they do this and wow. why it, like, doesn't kill them remains a mystery. That's for most crazy. animals, having very little blood circulating um, oxygen for several hours would be deadly, and concentrating blood so tightly would result in fatal clotting, but somehow the frogs survive. Weird. So the pictures you see of glass frogs is usually when they're contracting all their red blood cells in their livers already and just like kind of like sleeping or hanging out to like camouflage. That's so most crazy. of the time when they're actually active, they have you can see that reddish brown color. Their blood circulating. More color. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. But they concentrate it in their liver and they're like, how do they yeah. not die? Yeah. But they don't. And the system in in their liver that lets them store right? it. Right? Without clotting and all that stuff. It's crazy. That's cool. Have, to have some scientists research that for Oh, they're trying. Stuff. They're learn they're they're yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Very cool. The things we learn from animals. So your next story is about them trying to move a species of endangered bird somewhere else. Okay. So in a desperate effort to save a seabird species in Hawaii from rising ocean waters, scientists mm. are moving the chicks to a new island, which is like 400 miles away. It's really far. Um, and there's a lot of debate using this tactic for other species in the future because of invasive species issues. 
But as climate change occurs, um, other species, including, like, plants and stuff, um, have started to, like, naturally move anyways. (laughs) So there's a whole lot of debate of, like, do we try to save animals by moving them to other locations that are similar to their environment? Do we just let them die because of climate change? Or let them try and... Or let them try to naturally figure it out. out. So it's kind of hard because... Without some intervention, sometimes they don't survive, and it's like, ah. but then with climate change, things are naturally starting. Like, there's certain plants that are growing in higher elevations than they ever would have before in the past, you know? <laughs> so, like, and then it's just the whole issue of, like, but then if you move them, then they could be an invasive species yeah, to, like, that right. native area. So, it's Absolutely. like a lot of back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. it's great when it works, but also, what are the. <laughs> repercussions of it too very interesting (laughs) so they're trying to figure it out but there's a lot of back and forth with it yeah it's a tough choice climate change Mm -hmm. it's gonna destroy all of our animals your next one toadzilla discovered in australia could be the world's largest giant cane toad interesting yes it was huge so according to the guinness world records the current record held for the world's largest toad is a 2.65 kilograms um which is 5.8 pounds and measuring about 38 centimeters or 1.3 feet. Dang. Yeah, it's a really big toad. Um, from snout to vent. I don't know. Anyway, right. the record was set in March of 1991. Okay. And that was by a cane toad owned by a Swedish man. So it was a pet. When they returned to their base after finding this toad, they were like, it could basically maybe be a world record. So they weighed it. It's 2.7 kilograms. The current one was 2.65, so it was okay. closer to, like, six pounds. Six-pound toad. Yeah, that's... Right? Giant. Yeah. Um, and so they <laughs> debated a few names that they wanted to go with, but they just landed on Toadzilla because <laughs> it was huge. Um, but the cane toad itself was a species that was introduced to Queensland um, in Australia in 1935 to control the cane beetle and a which is a pest for sugarcane plantations. But the amphibian is now an invasive species. Right. <laughs> so they brought him over to, mm-hmm. like, help with a issue, and mm-hmm. now it's an invasive species to animals that are native. So, like, because mm-hmm. normal cane toads are anywhere between 26 centimeters, which is to about 10 inches, um, and they usually weigh up to, like, five and a half pounds. Okay. So that's their average. Um so, finding one that's six pounds right. is more rare or about a foot, you know? Yeah. And because they're so big, they will eat anything, including small mammals. So, even the small mammals that are native to the area are, like, going, having issues. It's an 8.3% bigger than average for it to be six pounds. So, they're considered, when they're that big, and those toads in general right now are considered a threat to their biodiversity because they can quickly colonize habitats due to the fact that a female toad can also produce up to 30,000 eggs in a season. Yeah, and they're huge. Um, They can also be fatally poisonous to the wildlife around them. So, with no control method um, to actually, like just target them they have to like basically scour the area they're found in and find them by hand like the people who yeah control it all um so now they gotta find a new invasive species to hunt the toad (laughs) 
without harming the other native species. Well, then they'll just have to find another thing. <laughs> yeah, just keep going bigger and better until they. Yeah. Yep. So they have to basically go and find them themselves because they can't target just them without targeting their native animals and species and stuff. The sad portion of this story is that keeping in mind how invasive these toads are and how huge it is, um, they did have to humanely euthanize it. (laughs) The Department of Environment and Science was the one that euthanized it because of the environmental damage. It was donated to Queensland Museum for research. Ah, okay. Still pretty cool. It was donated. Very good. Your next story is dolphins and humans can team up to go fishing. Cool. So not only all our blah, 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 not only are dolphins used in the navy, <laughs> but they um, show that they work with humans to fish. So the study clearly shows that both dolphins and humans are paying attention to each other's behavior, and that dolphins provide a cue to when the net should be cast. But this is a really incredible cooperative behavior. By working with the dolphins, the people catch more fish, and the dolphins are more successful in foraging as well. Um, It's not clear how the people of Laguna um, first started working, because it's like a very specific, like, place that like regularly fish with dolphins and it's been happening for generations Uh, both like dolphin uh, and human generations yeah um and they're like we don't really know how it first started but like it's gone through multiple human and dolphin generations with knowledge passed down both by the fishermen and the dolphins from one species and generation to the next so that's super cool pretty cool that they like and some of the people that work regularly with the dolphins are like, oh, this is a good helping dolphin. Well, that one's just a lazy one that will try to just eat your fish, you know. That's hilarious. So they recognize some of the dolphins that are a lot more, like, active and helpful. And yeah. they, like, watch the signs the dolphins, like, give to communicate, like, get ready. And they like, just stand in the water with their nets and, like, get ready to catch the fish. And then That's so cool. the dolphins um, get use out of it because they sometimes will take the fish out of their nets or they make it so they're the fish are in smaller little schools easier for the dolphins to eat okay, so yeah, it benefits yeah. both parties it's pretty right. cool because the big huge schools are harder for them to go after mm-hmm. but if they lure those big ones to the fishermen the fishermen take a bunch of the fish out and then it's a small school that the dolphin can then take on. Mm-hmm. and just breaks up so that's cool yep all right, and your last story. It's super cool. It's super cool, right? Last story. Live fast, die young, an endangered marsupial may be mating itself to death. Oh, no. Oh, no. The northern quoll is in Australia, and it's they're roughly the size of a small domestic cat. And um, so the male northern quoll is walking so far and sleeping so little in its desperate search for a female mate that it may be causing its own early death. One male, oh, no. well, which researchers named Moimoy, um, walked six and a half miles in one night in search of a mate, a distance equivalent to an average size human walking up to 24 miles. Oh my goodness. 24 miles in a single <sighs> night. What's a marathon? Isn't it like 23 something? 26, I think. 26. It's 13 yeah, yeah. and 13. Yeah, yeah. It's 26 something. Dang. Right? Almost a marathon yeah. every night. 
trying to find a mate. Well, he did it. He did 6.5 miles in one night in search for a mate. So it's not necessarily every night. Okay. But they are walking a good distance every night for the most part. Right. So that they basically become so exhausted that they fail to find food or like stay sufficiently alert to predators that they <laughs> are basically just Oh, that's dying. so funny. <laughs> trying to that's find, so or they they're just... trying so hard to find a mate that they're getting too tired. And they're dying. getting too tired and either getting eaten, not getting uh, enough food, uh, or they just don't have enough to sustain uh, themselves long term. <laughs> talk about one track mind. Right. Talk about thinking with the wrong death. head. <laughs> there you go. Jeez. Oh, man. That's just, hilarious. Yeah. So there you go. There's a year of animals. Year of animals. Year of animals. Ta-da. Ta-da. Until next year. <laughs> Until next year. <laughs> Talk to you all next week. Bye. Until then. Itty bitty. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please rate, review, and tell your friends so I can continue with your support in sharing fun animal facts with you. You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram. I may not be updating it as often right now, but there will be occasional treats. Click the link in the description for the resources, donation links to save the animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. And a special thank you to my best friend, Jewel, for the awesome theme music. And all of you for joining me in my animal passions. Until next time, an itty-bitty bye!